Hello and welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It's August 4, 2017, and we have reached the almighty achievement of episode 5. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Chad Owen. Hey there, Mike. I'm still living in the past. It's only August 3rd for me, so uh, you're, you're quite the futurist there. <laughs> so we have some exponential singularity and futurism all happening already, and we're like one minute into, into the podcast. Um, how are you, Chad, after a well-deserved uh, vacation? Are you enjoying the, the hot, humid East Coast uh, summer? I cannot complain. I uh, I really really enjoy New York summers. Um, being able to actually have seasons is uh, is really nice. You know, sometimes you know, coming from a place like Texas, where I'm where I grew up, you know, it's either really hot or kind of cold, and not really anything in between. Yeah, that that reminds me a lot of San Francisco, which was, you know, constantly, uh, you know, seventy sixty five seventy five. Uh, degrees and a little bit uh, overcast uh, for like ninety percent of the of the year. But if there's any city in the world that gives you extremes uh, on on the seasons, it's New York, isn't it? It's from snow to belting hot humidity. Well, I would actually counter with Chicago, and um, I spent four years in school there, and uh, the winters there are quite brutal. And if you don't have an air conditioner in the summer, sometimes you you feel like you'll you'll melt, and um, I also bring up Chicago because our uh, our subject for today's podcast uh, kind of became known uh, while she was working uh, in Chicago. Indeed. So I'm really excited to you know break down a conversation that Oprah had uh, with some students at Stanford University a couple of years ago. Yeah, and uh, we have to give a heads up to all the listeners because this is really um very different uh set of insights that we can get from Oprah compared to any of the other uh innovators that we've had uh and focused on on the, on the show i would say this is quite a radical pivot to to what we've heard from the likes of Elon uh, Jeff Bezos and so forth um but it's very exciting to get such a different perspective um don't you think Chad Oh yeah, I I love Oprah. I just eat up everything that she says. So I'm really excited to to share some of this with with all the listeners. Great. So before we jump into a world of Oprah, let's just check into the uh, that very high tech uh, moonshots news tracker, and um, let's look at some of the the headlines that um, the companies we're been following. Uh, have been making and let's let's kind of pick off a few goodies here. I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, Elon Musk group of companies, this ever uh, growing group of companies, have been very busy. Um, the uh, quite on a different tack to what we talked about in the Elon show. Um, they've actually delivered uh, his uh, first solar roof uh, tiles have actually been uh, built. Uh, and delivered to their first house. And what's what's so important uh, about this is uh, for for the listeners who are not up up to speed on this, um, he's obviously uh, through solar uh, power. He's actually bringing together this this incredible solution where there are these beautiful solar roof tiles um, that do not uh, look like those terrible. Uh, solar panels you have traditionally they're actually the solar power is built into into the tile and um, Tesla actually released the first one uh, onto a house so if you check in uh, out our show notes at moonshots.io you can actually see the photo of the first house that has them and it is so uh, beautiful because it looks just like a very nice premium roof tile uh, but is actually generating power for the for the house. So that was uh, big news in in Elon land. Um, but I have to say, and I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but they released um, a series of epically beautiful shots of the interior of the Tesla Model Three. Did you 
have a chance yeah, to I've do seen some, uh I've seen some people kind of pop up on YouTube on the... YouTube always gets you, you know, with the... You, sh- you, you might also like clips. And um, clearly they knew that I was doing research on Elon. And so, uh, you know, all of the people testing out the... Uh, the Model 3 uh, came up there. I I think it's a beautiful car, and I think if they can meet all the deliveries, you know, they they were hoping to ship, I think, for like 500,000 cars. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's going to be a tall order for them to be able to fulfill all those those orders. And if you, if you have a look at the link that we've got in the show notes, there is an epic shot of uh, the the interior where you see the, the, dis- the digital display that they have um and what what looks so epic is that it's a 15 inch uh display right in the middle of the dash so apart from the fact that the the interior overall is incredibly minimal it actually when you first look at it it, it looks like it's missing things because it doesn't need the gear sticks and, and and all the other things you're used to seeing in a car it's just a huge monitor on the dash it's pretty striking isn't it yeah i I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, you know, it's it's not for everyone. But uh, if you're a minimalist, yeah, it's it's your dream car. Absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, now, this was really interesting on the Uber side of things. Um, they actually, news came out earlier this week that it appears that uh, the drivers have actually been trying to work out how the algorithm works at Uber. And what they've been doing is they've all been essentially checking out of the app and saying that they're not available to drive and reducing the inventory available and they're forcing the app, uh, creating a false marketplace where... Yeah, to increase the prices to get them back on the road. So then effectively getting themselves more money for for each ride. And I think this is really interesting because um, obviously the, the, the drivers are trying to game the system and it's a huge weakness um, in the way they've designed the, the algorithm. But I think something that you've brought up um, before on, on the Elon show was it does suggest that drivers are prepared to do anything they can to increase uh, their earnings on Uber because as the conversation goes right now, a lot of drivers feel that they're, they're underpaid by, by Uber. So I think it's a bit of a natural consequence, don't you? Yeah, I you know, it's been surprising to me how long it's taking for the for the marketplace to kind of find its equilibrium. Mm. You know, it's just Uber has been injected with so much cash they can, well, they think they can afford, you know, to just uh, bleed money. But, you know, I, my big question is, you know, if Uber can ever find that equilibrium where it, it has enough riders willing to pay enough money to keep enough cars on the road. And I just think there's too much, well, there's too much cash in, in the system. There's also, you know, too much shadiness on, on everyone's part. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of gray around Uber and there's without, without doubt there is a way forward, but I think the new uh, CEO will have a big job of finding a balance in that equilibrium. And they have obviously have this marketplace based business model where you have drivers and riders and just like airbnb uh, you have to do an incredibly attentive and rigorous job to keeping the marketplace in balance and, and i would actually say that airbnb uh, succeeds much better in keeping harmony between the two parts of the of the marketplace so big challenges are ahead uh, for uber and i'm sure that they were dreading all of this news coming out i think they were just looking for a bit of a a respite from from all of the the negative press. Uh, they're going to be a whipping boy for yeah. for some time to come. Yeah, yeah, tough tough job to walk into. I just I think it's all uphill. I think the good days, the the, the easy days uh, on Uber are over for for the leadership there. Uh, okay, now what, another interesting thing, and I didn't actually know of this partnership, but it turns out that FedEx has actually had a long historic partnership with Boeing and they're working very close together. They announced a a new uh, stage to their partnership where they're looking to drastically reduce the carbon footprint of the FedEx jets. Uh, So we'll have a link to that in the the show notes and you can check that out 
Um, really fascinating just to see the extent to which they're trying to innovate, and in this case, really tackling the the, the carbon emissions that that jumbo jets are just so famous uh, for for doing. But perhaps the biggest news of the week, once again, is going to to Amazon, and as things are ramping up uh, for the big. Uh, back half of the year, which is you know, for retail, is where all the money gets made. Uh, Amazon has announced that they are going to hire 50,000 people to help uh, with the seasonal retail trade. And it just tells you how uh, not everything is great in the American economy because Amazon have been overwhelmed with applicants these new 50,000 jobs. They literally have had queues all around America for people coming to these job fairs that Amazon is, um, Amazon is putting on. And it tells you that um, there's a lot of Americans uh, need to actually work two or three jobs now because the idea of one long-term job uh, seems to have... Uh, gone the way of the dodo and now it's about all this fractional working and so forth but the the crowds chad for amazon have been huge well and i i think it's really uh insightful on their part to take advantage of people like you said moving into that fractional uh work model uh and you know i think um it will only help them you know reach their sales like uh, you know Neither of us would be surprised when Amazon, you know, breaks all of the e-commerce, uh, you know, numbers this uh, this holiday season. Right. So, so um, huge momentum there. Also, a delicate job, you know, balancing a marketplace between buyers and sellers. But uh, lots of stuff happening in the Moonshots ecosystem. So we'll have links to all of those articles that we just mentioned in the in the uh, show notes at Moonshots.io. All right, Chad, bring us into the world of Oprah Winfrey. Uh, why did we choose her and what makes her so special? Well, first, I'm actually a little curious, not as a Native American, you know, what was your first uh, exposure to Oprah or, you know, were you exposed to her? Or did you kind of find her a little later in your life? No, she was huge over here. Just growing up, you know, Oprah was huge Uh here in, in Australia, just as were the San Francisco 49ers, uh, just as were the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I mean, she she hopped the Pacific Ocean and she was here in full effect. Her show was incredibly popular. Uh, and I think she's as much uh, a known name here as she is in America. Well, I I wanted to, to do a little bit more research on Oprah just because I think she's so different from when most people picture, you know, innovation, moonshots, innovators, disruptors, they maybe don't think about Oprah. And I would argue that they should absolutely uh, have Oprah, you know, as an, an epitomized version of an innovator and disruptor. I mean, just her, her story is so compelling and uh, we can learn so much from it. You know, she, she grew up uh, in a in a poor family in the South, and worked her way up through the ranks of of television to then, you know, finally uh, discover talk and uh, interviews, and and launch her own own show, the Oprah Winfrey Show, and it had an amazing twenty five year run. I um I went to as I said I went to school in Chicago and I worked for a grip and lighting company which. You know, rented out all kinds of film equipment to to productions all across the Midwest, mm. and um, one of our clients was Harpo Studios, which is Oprah's company. Mm. Um, so there were times where I got to go and uh, make deliveries to the studio, and uh, so that that's kind of just a fun little personal connection. But I think there's so much that we can learn from her. Yeah, and I think what what's um, really special about her journey was she grew up in abject poverty. But she was reading and and writing at a very young age. Um, you know, you know, she actually skipped classes, so she went from the first year to the third year, and then she was so brilliant in her 
year three as a young little girl. They boosted her to the fifth year. So uh, that that part of her story is is really really special. But also the fact that she's gone from from growing up in poverty to being worth over three billion dollars, and she's ranked as the most wealthiest African American. Um, and has had such influence over many decades. She's won pretty much every award in her industry she can um, possibly win. She has an Academy, Daytime Emmys, Primetime Emmys, Tony Awards. Uh, she has. She even, if I get it right, Chad, she even stopped making herself uh, available for Emmy Awards because she just kept winning all the television awards. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of my favorite Steven Spielberg movies, The Color Purple, you know, she, uh, you know, that's that was where her Academy nomination came from. And um, I think she in in terms of just like a personal connection with people, like everyone knows who Oprah is. Yeah. And I think it's because she's able to just really connect with people. And I think that's her her power. And she knew how to capitalize that and 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 build her her media empire. Yeah, and what's interesting is that her personal um, uh, and very she has this incredibly high emotional intelligence. This has not only made her successful on the screen, but what's really interesting, it's made her so so powerful, so effective, and so successful behind the screen as an entrepreneur. And I think that's really, really fantastic that, that the, the thing that makes you so great in your practice is also used in, in being entrepreneurial. So uh, we had the, the good fortune of finding a, a really great um, interview with her where she really laid it all out um, at Stanford uh, University. And uh, she really gets into uh, a headspace of thinking about entrepreneurialism and, and innovation from a completely different point of view to that, say, of Elon and Jeff Bezos. And it really excites me to be able to share this with the audience because there's a lot to learn in what, what she had to, to share. It, I think for, for, for the listeners coming up, we've got uh, a lot of insights in how to, uh, how to soldier through when you're overwhelmed how to avoid making bad decisions, how to take good care of yourself, not only physically, mentally, but also emotionally. And this is really undersold as, as part of the entrepreneurial journey. It's not just mentally and physically grueling. It is emotionally fatiguing, let me tell you that. And what's great is there's a couple of practices that she has that really drives her success. And I think there's a lot here uh, for the listeners there's a lot here for me, and it complements some of the more cerebral thinkers that we've had on the show. This is really a journey into, into personal awakeness, uh, spirituality, connecting to who you really are, understanding who you are so that you can unleash that in terms of your entrepreneurialism and, and what innovations you, you can bring to the world, so I think Chad, it's this is your your chance to to bring us into to that first clip. Yeah, well, I'm just excited to to dive right in. Um, I think you're right. It's her unique perspective, her emotional and spiritual perspective on the entrepreneurial journey that that made this uh, this interview so interesting to me. And um, she's able to boil things down very simply and. Um, and just get you nodding your head along with her. And she she talks about um, how she's kind of discovered her own emotional intelligence and how she uses it uh, to kind of guide her um, in what she's doing. And so here she is uh, talking about that. You have leaders who are self-actualized and understand what your contribution to change the world can be. You can only do that if you know yourself. You cannot do it unless you take the time to actually know who you are and why you are here. There is an innate, supreme moment of destiny for everybody. And you cannot fulfill it 
unless you have a level of self-awareness to be connected to what is the inner voice or the instinct, I call it your emotional GPS system, uh, that allows you to make the best decisions for yourself. And every decision that has profited me Mm -hmm. has come from me listening to that inner voice first. And every every time I've gotten into a situation where I was in trouble, it's because I didn't listen to it. I'm just amazed that she has such clarity uh, you know, about what her purpose and what she's doing is. I, you know, she calls it the supreme moment of destiny. Like, don't we all want to find that? <laughs> she, she, really, she really touched on a couple of things here that I thought was really good. I think there is this idea of listening to your inner voice. Um, and it was so interesting she used the language, the things that I have profited from Okay, so when you think about achieving success and wealth and all that good stuff, it's all come from listening to that inner voice. And then she compared that to that she can even draw a line that when she gets into trouble, it's often because she has not been listening to to that inner voice. And, and I found that very insightful because when you're under the gun, when you're trying to get things done, sometimes that inner voice is speaking to us but it it often is suggesting hard work or change. And we sometimes choose to ignore that because it's just too much work. And I think it's very powerful that she calls us back to listening to your inner voice. Or we're just moving too fast to be able to sit still and listen to it. I think that's another thing that she brings up in this interview is being very comfortable in knowing yourself, as she says in this clip, so that you know when the voice is speaking to you. Mm. Because we have so many things that are coming at us um, all the time. I think uh, I've always seen her as a a supremely confident and empowered woman and person. And I think it's because she just, she knows herself so well that and she's able to listen to that powerful inner voice. Yeah, and you really hear it in her voice. She really is like, she actually sounds very present. Uh, she sounds very even and warm in her voice. Even if you if you weren't really focusing on what she was saying, it's the how she's saying it. She obviously has that. So I wanted to share with you one of the things that that I do to try and capture that that inner voice, all of those thoughts. And, you know, my mind races a lot. Um, I have found journal writing uh, every morning. Well, I. I'll, I'll admit that I don't get it done every morning, but most mornings I will write a journal. And I have found this uh, a really great way to get in touch with my inner voice and, and really reflect on the days past and to then set the agenda going forward and not only saying what happened, but how I felt about it. And that's been a really good tool for me to use, journal writing. So I'm interested, what what things do you use, Chad, to try and you know, connect and hear that, that inner voice. I would like to plug my, one of my favorite uh, apps out there right now called Headspace. It's a a simple and and free, you can go through a whole meditation course for free on the app, but I love taking time out first thing in the morning to, to just sit. Sometimes I sit for two minutes. Sometimes I can sit for 15 or, or 20 minutes, but I think that, physical stillness um, helps me, you know, uh, just be more in tune mm. uh, with myself as I, as I go through my day. Mm. And I, I, I definitely notice a difference um, when I'm able to stay with the practice and when I kind of am not, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a shift that happens. Yeah. I know a lot of people that uh, like yourself love Headspace. Uh, we'll put a link to that um, in, in the show notes. It's definitely uh, something a lot of people get a ton out of um and i think also journal writing for me personally that that is great that's just getting it all out that process of writing is not only about the purge but you often when you're forced to write something you gain so much more clarity about um what the actual thought or idea or insight is so two very good uh tips there to build on that emotional gps that that oprah was talking about so let's let's jump into um, 
sort of a very um, uh, very interesting thought about okay how she is going about unlocking not only this this inner voice but how she's finding her own spirituality. She talks a lot about being awake, and she has in this next clip she she really gets into this idea of living from the inside out. I sit here, uh, you know, profitable, successful, by all the definitions of the world. But what really, really, really resonates deeply with me is that I live a fantastic life. My inner life is really intact. My, I live from the inside out. And so everything that I have, I have because I let it be fueled by who I am, and what I realize my contributions to the planet could be. And what my real contribution is, it looks like I'm a, I was a talk show host. It looks like, you know, I'm in the movies. It looks like, you know, I have a network. But my real contribution, the reason why I'm here, yep. is to help connect people to themselves and the higher ideas of consciousness. I'm here to help raise consciousness. So my television platform yep. was to help raise consciousness. What was interesting in, in this thought of living from the inside out is that she talks about connecting people to themselves and to their consciousness. But what for me is the ultimate authenticity here is if you just listen to this interview, it, it, it's undeniable that she practices what she preaches. So to me, this creates this alignment if you find practices if you find things that you do to live your purpose, they intrinsically feed to how you can be, uh, how you can have impact around you and outside of you, how you can help others, how you can make a contribution. And frankly, when you get home on a Friday night, you can feel good about all the things that you've done in a, in a week. And this is great advice that, oh my gosh, if I had heard this, when I was a teenager, oh my gosh, how many mistakes may I have not made? But this living from the inside out um, was very powerful starting point to sort of unlock your potential. What when you heard this clip, Chad? What what really spoke out to you? I think it was almost shocking to hear her say that her her real contribution uh, and what she has to add in the world is unlocking people's consciousness. Um, and, and that, and that drives everything that she does, you know, cause, cause we, we see her as something different, you know, this TV personality or this actress. Um, but she knows that her actual, you know, true calling is to help people connect with themselves. And that, like, I think that's why her, her, her brand, her product, if you will, is just so appealing and attracted to such a wide audience and why she's she's gotten you know the the audience that she has yeah and i would argue that um you know if you were to look on the uh, trust meter of most trustable um celebrities and famous people i think oprah is right up there because you only need to spend a little bit of time watching and listening uh, to her to know that there's no pretend going on here. Like she is practicing what she preaches and she's really getting in touch with what's happening on the inside um, and, and sort of unlocking so much impact on the outside. She's done, she's, you know, she started schools, she's helped impoverished families. I mean, her track record, uh, uh, on philanthropy is is amazing, and as as much as uh, her track record in the media world, so living from the from the inside out was was a big uh, takeaway um, from from this bit. Now, um, I think we should we should pop over to um, you know some of the the moments that she talks about when she fa has faced great challenge. So. Chad, do you want to you want to set up this this next uh, clip where we get into some some different ideas? Yeah, I, I I loved some of the questions that the the Stanford GSB student was asking Oprah. You know, they they weren't very standard questions, which is always refreshing. Um, and 
she elicited, um, you know, from Oprah, um, some things that maybe she hasn't, that we don't hear her talk about very often. And failure is, is one of them. Um, you know, sh she overcame a lot of hardships in her professional career, just simply as a woman and as an African-American woman. Um, you know, she was a co-host of a show and she found out that her co-host was making more money than she was. And mm. she kind of steeled herself and, and, and talked herself into going and talking to her boss and said, you know, I want to make as much money as, as my co-host because we do the same job. And um, her boss didn't really hear her or understand, you know, why she was uh, asking for that and, you know, said, well, do you have kids? Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a family? No. Well, then why should I, you know, pay you as much? And sh she didn't walk away from that discouraged. She walked away from it knowing that she wasn't meant, meant to be there um, and that she was, you know, kind of destined uh, to do something differently. So here's, here's her in her own words, kind of just talking about um, how she's learned those lessons and, and how she kind of applies that going forward. I just want to end with this. Yeah. There are no mistakes. There is a supreme moment of destiny calling on your life. Your job is to feel that, to hear that, to know that. And sometimes when you're not listening, you get taken off track. You get in the wrong marriage, the wrong relationship, you take the wrong job. Yeah, but it's all leading to the same path. There are no wrong paths. There are none. There's no such thing as failure, really, because failure is just that thing trying to move you in another direction. And he here she is talking about how she moved in a different direction once she figured out kind of where her place was in television. And I said to the producers, we are going to change. We're going to turn this around. Mm -hmm. And I'm no longer going to be used by television. I am going to use television. What a concept. I'm going to use television as a force for, for, I didn't say at the time for good. I said, you know, let's think about what we want to say to the world and how we want to use this as a platform to speak to the world. How do we want to see the world change? How do we want to impact the world and then let all of our shows really be focused and centered around that? I think it's so interesting how once she figured out her purpose in you know raising uh, people's awareness and consciousness that television like wasn't this career that she was like fighting against like oh i'm fighting against all of these hardships you know to become a better uh you know broadcaster but then she's like wait a minute how can i use this medium for my actual true purpose and i i think i don't know when that happened for her but i'm pretty sure it was pretty early on in her TV career, and that's really what kind of launched it into the stratosphere. Mm. I, I think uh, the the correlation between Oprah and Fred from the last show is that they had this very firm belief that failure does not exist. It's about moving on and using it uh, to make better decisions going forward. And I think that um, the so there's a real connection here between Fred Smith of FedEx and, and Oprah. I would say that the other tool that I would give to the listeners that really is the segue between um, failure and better outcomes in the future is really asking the question, what did I learn? And this concept of reflecting on failure um, there are many that will argue that our greatest learnings come from failure because the pain is so sharp, we're actually paying the most attention. And success, success is not as sharp a peak as failure is. Like you feel failure very directly, very immediately. Something's broken. There's not enough money there, all that kind of thing. It's very sharp. It's very deliberate and very visceral. Whereas if you look at success, it can be sort of more undulating. and You're not really quite sure where the peak is. Now, the, the, the interesting thing I would encourage everyone to do is look at anything um, professionally or personally that you feel like was not a success and then go through the practice of asking yourself, what did you learn? And then if you had your time again, how would you do it differently? And I think that frame 
totally sets um, uh, Oprah up. And the fact that she can turn uh, TV from being something that used her to something that she was going to use, she was seeing the power of it. She was seeing the negative effect it had on her. And she's like, well, I'm not going to walk away from this. I'm just going to change the game. I'm going to change the the mental model by which she looks at it. And this is where you start to see the similarities between Oprah and, say, someone like Elon, which is the power of the mind to think differently. And I think this really demonstrates how she wasn't prepared to take this laying down. She's going to get up, she's going to fight, and she's going to turn the table on television. Yeah, and a reintegration of her failure into her purpose. I think... um, you know, how you're saying to kind of look look at and find the learnings, I, questions that I find really helpful, you know, uh, at different milestones are, are things like what worked, you know, what was, what, what was blocking me or what, you know, what setbacks uh, did I encounter? And then, like you said, what, what would I do differently? And I think it's, it's just really important to ask yourself those questions because if you don't and you don't capture them, whether it's in a journal or even just asking yourself or having a discussion with a friend or advisor, um, those learnings will be lost and it will take you longer you know, to get on your path, as Oprah says, mm. your true path. Mm. Do, you, do you feel like you can look back in, in your uh, career, Chad, and can you see moments where you didn't get the outcome that you wanted and have you been able to turn those into positives like have you actually had the chance to practice what what Oprah did yeah one specific example not too long ago was i got really far into communications with a client um and was kind of assuming that you know the project was a lock but kind of at the very last part i found out that there was another creative firm that was also kind of in the running it kind of blindsided me um and they ended up uh being the one working with the client for a a number of very valid reasons but um i i after the kind of last phone call i kind of you know i reflected on things and i was like you know what i really want to know why they chose the other firm so i just sent off a quick email to my my client contact and just said hey you know, can we schedule a debrief phone call next week? I'd like to ask you a few questions, um, you know, and just learn more uh, about why you, uh, you know, made the decision that you made. And he was more than amenable to do it. And we had a great, you know, 15, 20 minute conversation where I learned exactly why they went with the other firm. You know, part of it was geography. They were just closer, but um, they appreciated their approach uh, more than mine. You know, mine was maybe a a higher level 50,000 foot view that I was taking on the project mm, and mm. the other firm kind of had like a hyper personal uh, approach to the project. And so that was really interesting uh, to me. And it, it was actually, I mean, it was really simple. I was just sending off a quick email and asking for, for feedback. Um, but, but I don't do that all the time, but I'm, I'm very glad that I did it in that instance because I did learn a lot. And I bet you felt... Um um, more at ease with the situation once you'd had that call because you actually got something out of it. The perceived loss of the project is is yeah. There's hundreds of projects in in the lifetime. So, but but the fact that you were able to turn um, that into something this this actual kind of a breakthrough in 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 the the approach did that kind of reframe how you felt about that whole thing? Yeah, because without it's all about gathering information and the data points. Um, in a vacuum, I thought, oh, well, like, was I priced way too high or too low? Did they just not like me? Is my work not any good? Mm-hmm. Right? You just get stuck in this in this you know, mental game against yourself. Um, when all I did was, you know, ask some simple questions and got hard data points from the client. It was like, oh, like, it, it wasn't really any of those things. It was things that I hadn't even thought of. And it, and it was of no like real shortcoming of my own. It was just that um, the other firm was a better fit. Yeah. And so I think the, my ultimate learning was I, I don't want to just sell my services to anyone. Actually, what I'm trying to do is figure out who I'm best paired with. You know, who am I a best fit 
with so that we can all do our best work. And so that was actually, I think, the ultimate learning from from that feedback experience. Yeah, that's really powerful. And and that that that's exactly you're using the the Oprah playbook there, Chad. So I think um, the opportunity to to turn any of these uh, moments that don't go our way into positive next steps is not only a, a theme of Oprah. If you just go back to Fred Smith and FedEx, my gosh, they faced huge challenges. They thought they'd have 3,000 packages on day day one. They had six. Um, they faced um, gas and petrol embargoes. They have faced no end of huge, gigantic challenges. And Fred's is like, not, not taking any of it personally, just like asking myself what I'm learning, getting getting down to that, and I'm moving on. And, and Oprah is the, is the same. So I think this is a theme that you will find across many great innovators and entrepreneurs that they are just getting on with it. They're getting the learnings and just keep on trucking and, and don't give up. And there's a lot of, of that uh, coming up in uh, the second half of the show. Um, a bit of a uh, bit of a heads up on what you can expect coming up. We've got this um, some fantastic uh, thoughts from Oprah around how she really draws upon her motivations, uh, which I know is is you know really fascinating to me. Um, how you can unlock your motivation because you know personally, I think if you unlock your motivation, if you can create that drive and that appetite, um, it's just so essential to to create momentum in any pursuit in life and and she actually we're going to wrap the show with with her her probably perhaps one of her bigger thoughts uh from this interview which is really how you unlock um your your destiny how you actually find your calling and she gives us a little bit of a formula for that and i think that's a really powerful um powerful thought that we'll come to um but before we get to that, we're going to uh, we're going to um, do something a little different here. Usually, we'd have uh, Chad giving us uh, one of his famous book reviews, but he was on vacation. Uh, he didn't quite get um, to a thrilling Oprah uh, biography, but I'm sure uh, our listeners. I have some on my list that I'm going to go back to and read eventually. Okay, okay. So you can give us a uh, a report in one of the other shows if if you do get to those, but. Um, I thought it would be really great um, just to spend a moment. We, we often refer to the work that you do um, producing uh, these wonderful films that really uh, are stories of entrepreneurs and innovators and, and how they, they create the, the magic. So I wanted to take a moment, uh, Chad, and ask you a little bit about this practice of storytelling and, and filmmaking. and. Um, I wanted to know where where did where did all it all begin for you this this craft of film and and storytelling. Well, I don't know how how far you want me to go back, but um, I was very much a science and math kid uh, growing up. You know, my father's a doctor, and uh, you know I was just fascinated by uh, Carl Sagan's uh, writings and. Um, Stephen Hawking, you know, and, you know, lapped up everything I could at the time understand about Einstein. Um, and I think the shift for me was in, in college when um, I was, I became so overwhelmed at the power of story that it showed me that, you know, we're all kind of self-authoring beings, you know, creating our own story of our lives. And I was like, Wow. And then, uh, so then all I wanted to do was use that power to help others. And, and it was really just conveyed through um, a mentor that I had in college that just exposed me to some amazing films and filmmakers um, that just in, in documentary that just had such an impact on me. Um, and it moved me so much. It took me from this, you know, science and math kid uh, in calculus, chemistry and physics in college to then being enrolled in uh, ethnography and film composition and um, a political documentary, you know, and that shift took about, I think, six weeks. Oh my gosh. Know? Oh my gosh. Um, 
and it was again, it was such a dramatic shift for me. I I really understood that that storytelling um, was going to become my new uh, my new guiding light or kind of north star for for the foreseeable future. And I've just kind of been running with it ever since. So give us give us a sense of the kind of stories that you've been telling of recent times. Like give us a sense of what story you'd tell and and how how that gets made. What I love doing is telling documentary stories about disruptors and innovators. Um, it's usually a kind of band of renegades somewhere out in uh, in the world um, inside of an organization that are doing things differently and kind of with some opposition. And um, the things that they're trying and experimenting uh, with are teaching them you know, a better way of working, a better way of building products, you know, delivering their services. And so that's, um, that's what I love doing is just seeking out those, those teams and those organizations that are doing that kind of work and really just helping uh, showcase what they're doing so that, you know, the change that they're looking for in the world, what, what did Oprah call it? Their, uh, their, their supreme moment of destiny yeah. can be shared, you know, with, with everyone yeah. else. That's that's amazing, and I think it's also important to mention to to our listeners that um, I know together when we've worked on projects, you've uh, you've been telling the stories, these disruptive stories uh, with companies and brands like Virgin and Nike. Um, what other kind of companies do you do you uh, do you do you do lots of startups, lots of science guys? Like, what's the spectrum that you like to play within? Uh, it's really just about the teams, uh, you know, more so than the overall organizations. But, you know, other companies like Intuit, um, Cisco, uh, IDEO and IDEO.org and, you know, even a CPG company like Procter & Gamble, um, they all have, you know, they all have people that are really trying to change the status quo within them. And those are the people that I like to seek out and, uh, and share their stories. Nice. And one last question, um, how uh, are you, the things that you're learning as we do the show together, are there any moonshot learnings that you're finding that are making their way back into your work, into your practice? Oh, I don't know. I, I think I shared one of them just, just previously about the, the feedback from the client about why I didn't get the job. Yeah. Um, for me, it's interesting uh, that we're profiling Oprah just because I'd spent the the first part of this year really going deep um, with myself and what I wanted to do with this company and you know the kind of work that I wanted to do, and since doing that, it's just made everything else this year so much easier. You know, lo lots more opportunities, lots of better work with clients. Um, so it's it's kind of funny to have it reinforced um, with the amazing advice you know that that we played earlier in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find myself uh, now using uh, quotes and ideas from Fred and Elon when I'm working with clients and, and partners. I, I'm often dropping some Fred Smith <laughs> wisdom on them, uh, which seems to catch everyone. But um, that's great. Now, where, where, do, where can everyone find out more about uh, Chad Owen and, and your work? I am at stimulus.io. And... You can see um, kind of some uh, photographic previews of some of the work that I've done, um, and I actually just put kind of a a short—I uh, don't know if I want to call it a manifesto—but um, you can check out the homepage and see uh, see what you think. I'm always uh, curious to see you know who else I can uh, find or discover uh, to tell their stories. Nice. Okay. So we'll have a link uh, to all things Chad Owen uh, in, the, uh, in the show notes. And um, thanks for sharing a little bit more about yourself. Um, it, was, it was great to, to get to know and to share uh, some of your work with, with the listeners. Of course, and we'll get to you uh, shortly too, Mike, uh, so yeah. you're not off the of uh, hook. Okay. I thought I could sneak through there. Um, but... Um, Getting back to to some of our clips and the the wonderful Oprah Winfrey, I think it's fair to say we've had a bit of an update from her and a connection with consciousness and self awareness, living 
from the inside out and really how we can turn challenge and failure into a powerful force to move things forward. So I feel like that's uh, what we got from her in the first half of the show. We got two more clips to come and um, I want to play a very short clip um, of her talking about where she draws her motivation from. And to give you some context here, you can imagine as an African-American woman and, you know, to mention the the episode that she had when she had to confront her boss about the unequal pay, this is a topic uh, of the moment here in 2017. She was referring to a situation 30 years ago back in Chicago. So it's gives you a sense of what a pioneer she is, but also how courageous she really is. And in this clip, she talks about where she draws her motivation from. I will literally sit and I will call on that 10,000. Mm -hmm. I will call on the, the ancestors. I will call on those people who've come before me. I will call on the women who forged a path that I might be able to sit in the room with all of those white men and love it so much. Uh, I, 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 call on, I call on that. So there you hear her um, tapping into this idea of the power of many. She's obviously been at the forefront of fighting for so many different things as a woman, as an African-American, coming from an impoverished neighborhood. Um, she's overcome more in her lifetime than, than what thousands of others would, would, would have. And and she's so confident. Oh. You can just really hear it in her voice. To me, in her voice, I heard that she's just like, bring it on. She's like so ready and she is so, so up for uh, the courage. And, but it doesn't come across in, a, uh, in, a, in an aggressive uh, way. It comes across like, I know why I'm here. I know what I'm fighting for and I'm ready to go. Yeah, and it's it's a fine line because I think it could cross into arrogance if you if you take it too far. But um, Oprah has like just enough of it to really, I think, be be able to navigate that world and be very successful and and teach us the white guys in the room mm. um, the way the world actually is. You know, not the way that we think it is. Right, and and to to me, the tool that she's using here is she's she's identifying with the bigger the bigger movement but i think she's also tapping into the source of the battles that she has had and she has won and she's using that to achieve new things and i really like um i like this as a way uh to unlock your your motivations and um a tip for for the listeners that i think um i have found very powerful and in getting into the motivations that drive me is is to write affirmations, short positive statements about outcomes, things that I want to happen in the future. And I love uh, devoting my mental powers to, to focusing on these affirmations. And there's a great book, very old, called As a Man Me Thinketh, which was one of the original writings that talks about the power of the mind, the power of positive thought, and how you have complete and total control of your thought, which unlocks your motivation. And you can see how Oprah is using her thoughts. She she refers to, she thinks of all the people that have come before her, the power of, of, of those that have faced challenge and power. She refers to the women that have had to overcome challenge. She uses this as almost her affirmation uh, to move forward. And, and I think this is a great tool for unlocking um, motivation and, and getting a positive view of, of what's to come uh, in the future. Yeah, I, I love the idea of affirmations. One thing that I've done usually once a year um, is write a two-page kind of front and back of a sheet of paper letter to my, to my future self. Mm. And and then write a date on it and says, you know, do not open until this date um, and open it then. And I'm always surprised at, you know, sometimes I put these big 
audacious goals in there and I meet them and some of the smaller ones I kind of forget about or you know I've decided to try something differently and so that that's been an interesting practice along those lines about um you know how to how to give myself the motivation uh, you know to, to to do the things that I want to do yeah 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 well um the we've got this one final clip uh which is the perfect adjunct to this concept of motivation and powerful thought. Do you want to do you want to set up this last uh, Oprah words of wisdom? Uh I kind of just want to to let her uh let her speak for herself. When you align your personality with what your soul came to get, and everybody has it. Align your personality with your purpose. And nobody can touch you. And you wake up every day and you are fired up. You just it's like, "Oh my god, another day. It's so great." <laughs> because everybody has a purpose. So your whole thing is to figure out what that is. Your real job is to figure out why you're really here and then okay. get about the business of doing that. Okay. That's it. To me, it's uh, kind of the encapsulation of everything that she said, the intersection of your personality and your purpose. And like the real work is finding that because once you do, then everything else becomes easy. I think that's what she's saying here. Yeah, and, and I I totally uh, relate to to this because when I was living in London around two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, it would have been. Um, I was given a book called Strengths Finder. And it was the first time, it's sort of pre-Myers-Briggs uh, kind of uh, time. And when I did this book, it really took me on a journey of you, you, you learn different behaviors that people have, particularly in their workplace. And then it gives you this quiz. You do the quiz and it tells you your work personality. And um, it was... Um, a real aha moment for me because I became uh, I, I was confronted with with how I am and 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 how I behave in the workplace and how I'm driven and how I operate, which um, it, it really moved out of subconscious to conscious, and I became aware of the good and the bad of. of all of the the energy and and um, all of the the things that really drove me and manifested in the way that I worked and the way that I led people, and this was a huge jump for me when when I got to connect with with my my if you will my work behaviors and personality. And I can only encourage the listeners to try. This book called Strengths Finder 2.0. The, the, there's another free tool on the web um, called 16 Personalities. And their argument is that basically everyone fits into one of 16 personalities. You can do a free quiz and I'll tell you which one you are. This too is a very powerful way to sort of get connected to the first half of her, her equation, which is knowing your personality. And I'm curious mike if there's anything you've given us so many great resources um about how to drive towards or or find or uncover our purpose mm. because i think for me um it kind of just blindsided me and uh i guess i was lucky in that way um but for you kind of in your journey of working with uh, empowering teams to kind of create this innovation capability kind of like you know how how did that come about for you hmm well the 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 purpose part there putting aside um the the personality piece the purpose part there is how much i thrive on the creative process of creating brand new things uh this is really something that I really love doing. But I would really employ uh, a model that we've used, um, uh, we've mentioned on the show before, which is Simon Sinek's Why. So, you know, I really love creating uh, new things. I love pioneering. I love 
the uncertainty of doing radically different things. That just is naturally where I'm happiest. I'm not, I'm not a manager. I'm not a bureaucrat that totally bores me managing the status quo. It's all about, you know, plowing new land, pioneering to, to new things. And, um, I love doing it together with people and I love, um, I love playing very much uh, a role of facilitating and mentoring and helping others, um, you know, really get their, uh, get their best. And um, the reason that I love, the, that's the water and the how. So I love innovation. I love doing it together and collaboratively and very much in a, in a sharing and mentoring way. And the reason is that I think these are the richest shared experiences you can have professionally when you've done something amazing with a great team of people. And I think that that's um, the formula for having great impact. So when you, when you work with, say, Nike and you create an app that literally millions of young people use every day to organize soccer games all around the world, um, I mean, that's impact. And that's, that's the model that I use just to, to clarify and to uh, reaffirm for myself, you know, why I work and, and what I love so much about uh, what I do. Using innovation to drive huge impact. Yeah, because you, and, and the way you do it is as a team collaboratively together. And I think that when you've, when you're doing those things in that way, the outcomes are so positive. The outcomes are meaningful. They're things that you can look back on and genuinely you want to share with your friends, with your family. You want to, you know, I, I want to share it with my, my son who's 11 and, and I'm, I'm proud of it. I feel good. It's meaningful. Um, and, mm. and to me, that's when I feel best, which is indeed why purpose-wise, uh, after spending over a decade in advertising and marketing, I've moved much more towards product design and innovation because I, it, it serves my purpose better. Well, thanks for, for sharing, Mike. I, I am just really glad that we've kind of taken this left turn uh, into some overlooked, um, you know, things uh, in, in the world of entrepreneurship. Um, I think we often don't take the time to understand our own needs, you know, our own personal needs, um, which, you know, interesting, Oprah's in, in some way, like very selfish in that way. She's like, no, like turn inwards and look at yourself first. But um, I think she clearly draws that connection to by being confident in where you are just allows you to have such a greater impact in what you're doing. Mm. I, I would argue the big takeout for me is, you know, you can't uh, know the world until you know yourself. You can't create positive change in the world until you've put yourself in a positive frame. And and I, I, I look at people that you, you that you meet and run into who are obviously lost and it, it's so obvious, you know, they're, they're distracted. They're not doing the things that they should be doing. They, they have almost this aura of disconnection. And, and it contrasts so much with people like Oprah. When you meet people like that, I remember when I met uh, Will Smith, very similar to Oprah. He is so connected uh, from the inside out. He knows why he exists on this planet, and that's why he has achieved so much. To me... This is what inspires me about meeting people like that. It's, it's, it's the big takeout is know yourself if you want to know the world, uh, know who you are, know what you want to be so you can make that positive contribution to the universe. Um, and you can't get that job done if you don't know where you're at, if you're not breathing and, and just aware of who and where you are. Mm. Well, I'm really excited, Mike, that we're staying on this alternative uh, profile track. Um, so who, who have we decided to profile next? Yeah, so we want to keep going uh, on a slightly uh, tangential uh, direction. So 
The next show we're going to do um, is going to be uh, focusing on Martha Stewart. So also a media celebrity, a uh, very successful uh, television personality with an enormous empire. Um, I actually haven't done the the, the shootout on, on um, personal wealth, but I'm assuming Martha and Oprah are going toe-to-toe there. But interestingly with Martha, as everyone will probably know, she's had a lot of challenge in her life and a lot of misstep as well. But she's come back and she's firing on all her cylinders again. So I think she makes for a, for a really exciting uh, show uh, for, for next week. And we're always looking for more suggestions for perspectives and personalities that you would like us to deconstruct here on the podcast. So please uh, go to moonshots.io and leave your feedback. You can sign up for our newsletter uh, and share and listen to all of our previous shows. Um, I'd also like to just give a shout out to all of our listeners. Um, Thank you so much. We are doing this for you. Like Mike and I are, we're going to keep doing this and, you know, as long as we keep having fun, but like really we're doing it for you guys. Um, and so, we, you know, we'd love to, to get your feedback and, uh, and just, you know, learn who you want us to profile and what kinds of uh, topics you're interested in. Absolutely. And we've had feedback from all over the world, from, from London, from Amsterdam, uh, from the U.S., from, from Australia. I feel like we, we need some more feedback from Romania. Romania. We need feedback from, from friends in, uh, in, in Asia. I feel like that's the, the continent that's underrepresented here. So please send us your, your, your thoughts and ideas. And remember that um, you'll find everything you need at moonshots.io. Uh, that's the, the clearinghouse for all good things for the, for the Moonshots podcast. Well, that, that sort of gets us to a wrap. Um, I think Chad and I are going to go and finally tune our emotional GPSs. We're going to uh, embody our best Oprahs for the day. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. And Chad, it's been great. Thank you ever so much. Mike, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Chad. And thanks to all the listeners. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Moonshots podcast. <laughs>